Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. a no-hitter that we got to talk about. Robert Valdez throws the first Astros no-hitter since Verlander did it in 2019. There was a combined no-no in the World Series, but this was only Fromber, and he did it in Maddox fashion. Complete game. It was a no-hitter in under 100 pitches. Masterclass. So we got to talk about that. Uh, we are going to do a little snake draft of best winners of the deadline. Tomorrow, you're going to get negative going into the weekend. Uh, Peter and Aram are going to do big losers of the trade deadline, but excited to do winners with you. Jack, Peter, just baseball show for Thursday, August 3rd is presented by... BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Framber Masterclass. Nine innings, no hits, no runs, only one walk, was one walk away from a perfect game, seven strikeouts, had everything dialed, about a million ground balls, and he was so due for one. You know, on this podcast, how we've been talking about, well, the Astros starting pitching hasn't been great, and Framber's kind of been getting hit around a lot. Masterclass. That, he was so due for an outing like that and he delivered and it was just a two to zero win because Gavin Williams threw pretty well again but when you don't get any hits you're not going to win so I I got to do like a unique thing when I've got a game on on like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night if I see a pitching matchup that I really love or you know even Friday or Saturday night if if I see a pitching matchup that I love 
that is in the window of me doing a game, I've got to circle it and be like, okay, I'm going to catch the end of it. If I can, I'm going to listen to it on the radio on the way home. And I'm going to turn it on TV as soon as I get back. Uh, Also going to track the game during the game, but I'm going to watch the condensed game the day after. This was unique because I think it was an 8-10 first pitch. Mm -hmm. I got to get home for the last three innings of this one. So I watched seven, eight, and nine of Fromber and I watched the condensed game this morning. Um, and it is so much fun to watch those things unfold. Like there, there's something about big word here. There's something about the natural like crescendo of a moment like that, where you're building and building and building and, and you feel the tension rising in your chest a little bit to the point where it's in your throat. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Like as Fromber builds, there's like this, there's this amazing ramp up to the climax of a no hitter. And with Fromber facing the minimum, the first ask, there have been 12 Astros no hitters. This is per Sarah Langs, who does a great job at MLB.com. A couple others helped her with this article, but 12 Astros no hitters. He's the first guy to face the minimum. There's something about that. And the walk to Oscar Gonzalez, immediately a double play ball. Like there's something beautiful about the buildup there. And I thought that was for that guy who kind of bucks the trend of high spin fastball, ton of whiff. He gets whiff, but I thought that was. Honestly, like aesthetically beautiful to watch. Couldn't agree more. Aesthetically beautiful is a great way to describe it because it wasn't like he was striking out the world. It's just every single ball hit off the Guardian's bat was slow and it was on the ground. And that's why I love the final out to Jeremy Pena. Just this weak, dinker little dinker to shortstop, you know, and normally I feel like in a in a no hitter or a perfect game, there's like this incredible play that ends up saving it. No, it's just a lot of ground balls. <laughs> and, and it was the turbo sinker was just working. He was throwing it wherever he wanted, and then he'd spin off these beautiful curveballs. Couldn't agree more. Like, I watched Domingo Herman's perfect game from start to finish. And that was a, a perfect game. It was, yeah. it was a constant buildup, perfect game, amazing game that he pitched. But it was against the A's. And I'm sure 99% of baseball fans weren't really rooting for Domingo Herman. And then there's the 1% that are just diehard Yankee fans like Joe from Staten Island who could give a shit. And I love Joe from Staten Island, but I'm not one of those one percenters. I was more of a 99 percenter. But just taking that out of it, watching both games, I thought Framber's outing was better than Domingo Herman's because to your point, he still faced the minimum. He just had that one walk. And it was just so easy. It felt like every inning he was on the mound went by in two minutes. It was just, oh, Framber's up. All right, next inning. Let's go hit. Framber's up. Next inning. Let's go hit. It was just bang, bang, bang. And I felt like it was the quickest game or at least the quickest outing we've seen in at least a very long time. Well, and and credit to the pitch count there, right? Like Framber yeah. did it in... Fromber threw a no-hitter in the fewest number of pitches since David Cohn did it back in 98. Cohn threw 88 pitches in a perfect game. Fromber threw, what, 93 pitches in this no-hitter? And again, he faced the minimum. Um, Something that I really like is game score. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen game score, but the highest game scores that we've seen, I I think highest game score was either Clayton Kershaw's no-hitter where a guy reached on an air and he punched out 14. Uh, A lot of 20 strikeout games are up there. And you start at 100, I want to say, or you start at 50 and you build up via strikeout, via out, you're dinged for earned runs and hits and walks and all that. So um, game score, I, I think, is fascinating. I think game score starts at 50. And there have only been a handful 
of 100 game score outings. Just comparing the perfect game for Herman and Framber Valdez, Framber's game score yesterday, nine innings, one walk, seven punch outs, he threw 93 pitches, 65 for strikes. His game score was 93. So I pull up Domingo Herman's. I, I assume it's probably a teensy bit better, but not by much. Domingo Herman's game score for that perfect game was in Oakland. Game score was 96. So it was only three points better. And Comparable. I refuse to believe that. I watch both. Framber pitched better. Even yeah, though Herman was perfect. Yeah. He was perfect. <laughs> but just going back, just going back to the uh, pitch count for a second. So this is from again from Sarah Langs, who just, I mean, she's incredible. Framber Valdez's 93 pitches are the third fewest in a no-hitter since pitch counts have been tracked since 1988 behind only Daryl, Kyle, Kyle. I hope I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing yep. that right. And, and then Cone. David Cohn. Um and Martin Maldonado has now caught three no-hitters, tied for the third most in MLB history, only behind Carlos Ruiz and Jason Veritek, who both have four. So I thought Jeff Blum, who was a TV analyst with Todd Callis on the Astros telecast, did, did a great job kind of diving into this. And and they had a great conversation with Maldi post-game and a great conversation with Fromber post-game. And, and Fromber was like, I got to thank my teammates. I got to thank Maldi, all that. And, and the conversation with Maldi was very interesting. And Martin Maldonado said something post game that that was super interesting. Um, you know, they mentioned Fromber's kind of rough stretch before this outing, and Maldonado said, "Yeah, I mean, like the sinker was ninety six to ninety seven last couple times out, and it felt like he was emptying the tank. So we wanted him to dial it back a little bit and find a good rhythm and have it be ninety five ninety six. It was ninety five ninety six. We saw a ninety seven, I think, late in that game, eighth or ninth, but did like." Fromber can live 94-95, and he can throw 120 Easily. pitches at 94-95. So I, I thought that was a great point. And, and again, Jeff Blum, he did a little like 45-second to a minute recap of it, just thinking through that entire outing, and he was spot on. Like anything Maldonado hit Fromber on in the pitch comp, Fromber was throwing it. Did you see him shake? I didn't see him Not shake once. in those last Not once. Games. Nope. It was just, that's why it was so quick. It wasn't just the pitch counts. It was, there was no shaking. It was just in it out. It felt and every inning was 10 pitches and it was just ground ball, ground ball, fly out, ground ball, ground ball, strike out, strike out, ground. It was just, it was, it was the closest thing to perfect that a no hitter could be. And, and that right there is why the Astros aren't moving off Martin Maldonado. I know everybody, you know, wants to point to, oh, he's hitting a buck 70. Yes, he is hitting a buck 70, but everybody loves throwing to him. I agree, and that's why Austin Hedges stays in Major League Baseball. And it's funny, yeah. this year, among qualified framers, Martin Maldonado is in the bottom half, and it's closer to the bottom. Don't floor. care. The way I, he I agree. Staff. Yeah, I agree. No, I'm just pointing that out, too, which is almost furthers your point. He is in the bottom quarter among qualified catchers in framing, and he doesn't hit. And they traded Corey Lee, one of their catching prospects. He's a free agent soon, so maybe they part with him. But right now, like, they're not moving off him. They didn't go get a catcher at the deadline, right? Martin Maldonado is their catcher. And the Ashers are much smarter than you and I are. And with all due respect to everybody listening, there's a reason they keep Martin Maldonado. 100%. Um, I also saw a note from Brian McTaggart, who's the Astros beat writer at MLB.com, that um, as soon as the trade went down for Verlander, Verlander texted Martin Maldonado and said, let's fucking go. Yeah. You think that guy's excited to throw to Maldonado again? Yes. The Astros are a freaking 
wagon. If they're going to be one of our winners, I'm going to take him if you're not going to take him. But we'll, we'll get into that draft. Before that, you have a quick stat you want to run through, though. Quick two stats, um, because the Braves, as we're speaking right now, just set a record for home runs hit through 107 games. So Sarah Langs tweeted this out yesterday, or actually, excuse me, through 106 games in MLB history. So at this tweet was sent about 30 minutes before we started to record, and then the Braves hit another one. So in 2019, the Twins set the single-season record for home runs with 307. Through 106 games, they had 206 home runs. By hitting three home runs in this game against the Angels, against Lucas Giolito, the new addition for the Los Angeles Angels, the Braves just broke that. So now they set it 207 through 106 games. Also fascinating that the three homers came from Acuna, Riley, and Matt Olson. Yes, they did. This Pretty team is th- so good. So good. Uh, we had Braves fans, you know, in our YouTube live. First of all, shout out everybody listening to the YouTube live yesterday. We had a blast of a time. Same thing with the TikTok live, too. Like, what did the Braves do at the deadline? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what should they do? They're getting Strider and Ka- or Strider. They're getting Freed and Kyle Wright back. Yeah. Their bullpen by Sierra which is skill interactive ERA, which is my favorite ERA predictor for bullpens. You know where they rank? Third. Third. And their offense is obviously first, setting records for home runs. So they're like, what should we do? And I'm like, what do you mean? You could get a reliever. And they did. <laughs> they were great relievers. But you know, Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves are going to work their little voodoo magic. Uh, the second stat. So shout out Peyton. We brought him on to do day by day analysis, kind of like our game analysis. Cause I always felt that that was the one thing we're missing here at just baseball. Like, you know, we analyze players, we analyze teams, we make predictions. We have tons of articles on the site where we, but it's more stories, right? We don't go over, Hey, this game in particular was awesome. And Peyton on TikTok at big league analysis is one of the best in the game that does it. So we brought him on, and we are so thankful that he was willing to join the Just Baseball team. And he put out a TikTok that I loved. And it's not a crazy stat, but it did shock me. Who do you think has the most bunt base hits in Major League Baseball, Jack? Just, I'll give you a hint. National League Central. NL Central. um... The lefty. Oh, like individually? Yes. Individual with the most bunt base hits, a lefty. In the NL Central. Man. Is he a pirate? He's not a pirate. I'll give you another hint. He's a red. He's a red. Um, Not Will Benson. No. Will Benson hits nukes. I know he hits nukes. Who would it be? TJ Friedel. Okay, yeah. I would never. <laughs> he, he, never. Has 11, he has 11 bunt base hits which not only leads Major League Baseball by a sizable margin, it would place him eighth among all teams right behind the Arizona Diamondbacks. Cool. The more you know. You know who I think has zero bunts put down so far this year? I think the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, why would they bunt? Who's going to bunt? Sean Murphy? (laughs) Acuna? They have one sacrifice hit put down one sacrifice but michael harris laid down a sack bunt i bet it. was it a sack bunt or did he like beat it out 
No, it was a sack bot. He was out on a sack play. Like because he's getting hot too. That's in, that's yeah. incredible. So TJ Friedel has eleven bunts for a hit. The Braves don't bunt, which is they awesome. just uh, they just set home run records. Yeah. Last thing on the Braves here, um, codify. He said <laughs> the major league average for OPS so far this year is seven thirty two. I'm just going to run through one through nine in the Braves lineup on on Wednesday. Acuna nine eighty four. Albies eight oh nine. Riley 834, Olsen 957, Darno 801, Ozuna 780, Rosario 757, Arcia 798, Harris 786. Everybody's just, at least 25 points better than average. I just can't believe that. Remember at the beginning of the season where the word was the Braves don't really have a left fielder. And oh, Marcelo Zuna is so bad. Now, I'm still not a Marcelo Zuna guy for many reasons. But those guys are above average hitters. Are yeah, you but like, I, Rosario's got a 760, Ozuna's a 780, and Orlando Arce is an 800 OP. That's crazy. And I just watched Von Grissom last night. I'm going to watch him again tonight. Von Grissom's like an 860 OPS in triple right now. Of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. We're such a wagon, bro. All right, let's let's <laughs> draft some trade deadline winners here. And we're going teams, right? We're not drafting individuals. We're, we're drafting yeah. teams. So uh, we're going to have six picks. You're going to pick first. I'm going to pick second and third. You're going to pick fourth and fifth. I'm going to pick sixth. And we're going to go through and and select the six biggest winners. And I assume you guys are going to do the six biggest losers tomorrow. Absolutely. And the reason I, I texted Jack this morning and I was like, we could just bring our three winners, but there would be a lot of, oh, I agree with you. Yes. Good point, Jack. Nice. We agree. That's not fun. So it's fun to draft, right? So we have to talk about six teams. And to be perfectly honest, this trade deadline, kind of weird. There weren't a lot of big winners. So I even struggled to fill up my big draft board, right? So there's going to be some teams at the end of the draft where we're really grasping for straws here. But I still like the board. There was enough winners to talk about it. And I have the number one pick. So why don't I just get straight into it? So... This it's you know I don't think there was a clear winner at the deadline, which makes the number one overall pick tough. I like how you went and gave yourself second and third pick. It's good draft strategy by you, but I'm still going to win this thing. That's fine. I am going to go with the Texas Rangers as the number one overall winner at this trade deadline. First, if we just look at the few days leading up to the deadline, they would be considered at least one of the winners, probably in the top three. They add Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton. And the Cardinals got a good package in return. But the Rangers have created one of baseball's best farm systems. And a lot of the guys that they gave up are completely blocked, including the best prospect in the deal is an infield prospect. Where is he going to play? Josh Young's playing third. Corey Seager's playing short. Semyon's playing second. Nathaniel Lowe's playing first. And then you just have Ezekiel Duran whenever he wants to play shortstop if Seager is out. So there's no real position for him moving forward. And who they get is one of the most consistent pitchers in Major League Baseball, Jordan Montgomery, and Chris Stratton, who can fill up the later innings. And then they got Max Scherzer. Now, they had to give up Luis Angel Acuna. But again, same sort of deal. Shortstop, second base, center field prospect. It was a big move getting rid of him. But... The Rangers' big issue was starting pitching, and they added Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. 
Now, what makes them the number one overall pick in my eyes is they needed bullpen help. They've been a fine bullpen, but they added a role to Chapman from the Kansas City Royals. Now, they gave up Cole Reagans, who can be an okay starter. So maybe long-term, that deal doesn't end up working great. But at the same time, Aroldis Chapman was traded for Glaber Torres, and the Cubs won a World Series. If the Rangers can win a World Series, they aren't worried about Cole Reagans. And Cole Reagans has a 5-2-2 ERA right now. Let's see what he turns into. But what Chapman has turned into with the Rangers is one of baseball's best closers because he's coiling more. He's getting more out of his legs. He's back to 103, 102 miles an hour. The slider is still deadly. And then they got Austin Hedges for free, basically, for international bonus pool money. It's not much. But just adding a catcher like that into the fold, especially when Jonah Heim is a guy who is now injured, and we don't exactly know when he's going to return. So you have a very solid, one of the best defensive catchers, that's the reason he's in the league, to help work with some of these pitchers. And they don't need him to hit anyway because they have one of baseball's best offenses. So I know it's crazy, but I'm glad that they added Austin Hedges into the fold. I thought every single player they got made them better, and all of the prospects they put away are blocked right now. And they still have a great farm system. Yeah, they were the spenders of the deadline. And I think you need to be rewarded for spending. And, and I think that they are going to be rewarded for that. Um, yeah, like they spent, but they also are saving money on the Max Scherzer deal. Yeah, too. yeah, so like big money. They I thought that was up. a perfect deal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, no, I, I think Texas did a really good job here. My big concern and the thing that makes my shoulders tense up is Evaldi's on the IL with a forearm strength. And it, like, I'm going to be panicked about that until he comes off the IL. And I'm going to be panicked until I see the first, you know, 95, 96, leave his hand. Um, they need Evaldi. If they want to yeah, win the do. World Series, they need Nathan Evaldi because we mentioned the shortcomings of Scherzer. Montgomery has been good this year, but, you know, is he going to give you seven innings of one run ball in the postseason? I'm not sure. Good thing they lengthened the bullpen with Chapman, which is very exciting. So, yeah. And I, I yeah. No, I said I can't blame them. Like, we're grading deadlines in a vacuum. No, and Evaldi, they were aggressive. Yeah. I yeah, Evaldi being hurt, we can't put that in. But what did they do with the deadline? They added two starting pitchers. Uh, I think Evaldi getting hurt is definitely Chris Young's fault. Um all right, my number two pick, I'm actually staying in that state. Houston, I thought, was the second biggest winner at the deadline. Two two reunions are massive. Like, Kendall Graveman is a very underrated pickup for them. Uh, it was for Corey Lee. Corey Lee really didn't have a spot on this team with Yiner Diaz, like, being pretty solid as a backup here. He's slugging over 500. Um, and Maldonado catching his third no-hitter, which is pretty awesome. So you didn't need Corey Lee. He was organizational depth. You, in turn, lengthened that bullpen, getting ready for a stretch run and a postseason run. So now, instead of Presley, Neris, Abreu, Maton, you have Presley, Neris, Abreu, Graveman, Maton. And you overcome the shortcomings of Rafael Montero after he signed a $40 million deal. And the big thing is this, and we've talked about this very recently. What feels better if you have a postseason four? Valdez, Javier, Brown, or Keedy, or Verlander, Valdez, Javier, and Brown? Bang. Bang. They got Stay. so much better. <laughs> they added exactly what they needed. They didn't yep. really need offense. They needed starting pitching. 
and they grabbed the best available arm. I think Kendall Graveman even returning to Houston. He loves it there. He was great there. Verlander clearly loves it there. We just mentioned the fucking text he sent Maldi. Basically, what they did is they let guys go for more money to other teams, and then they got them back cheaper and just built their World Series team again. And I I understand, like, hey, they have Verlander again next year. I think Justin Verlander retires a Houston Astro. After this, he saw what the greener pastures look like. They suck. They're not green. <laughs> the grass is dead. <laughs> it's it's insane. Think about that. It's like, okay, you know what? I've only played for the Tigers and the Astros so far in my career, and I loved Houston. I had a great time in Detroit. I'm probably going to Cooperstown with the Tigers hat on. I loved Houston, but I'm going to go take some big money. I'm going to live in New York. I think me and the wife are going to love it, and the kid's going to love it. And they go, and it's like, wait, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I want back. And he got back, which is really cool. Yeah, talking about the grass is greener, there was a time there. So when I lived in California, there was consistent droughts. And it became, you would get a ticket if you watered your lawn. So there was this big initiative that said, like, keep your lawn brown. And so you drive by everybody's houses and everyone's lawn would be brown. That's what I felt like the drive was like for Verlander and the Queens, where it's like, holy shit, all these lawns are dirt. <laughs> kind of sucks. God, there's a Dwayne Reed everywhere. I don't need this many Dwayne Reeds. And then he goes back. What's a what's a wet place? What's a the Everglades? What's a, yeah, it's like he's driving through the Everglades. All right, done talking about wet lawns. Cool. All right, uh, you have the third pick. Yeah, Milwaukee. I think is the third mm. biggest here. Sneaky one. They weren't on my big board. They weren't on your big board. They were not. I on like my big Milwaukee. Board. I really like the Marcana pickup. I yeah. think Marcana is the perfect inject new life, change of scenery type guy. That's a fun loving guy that can hit the shit out of the ball. That was just in a bad situation. And he was so professional. Did you see his media availability compared to Scherzer's media availability? Yeah. Scherzer was like, fuck the Mets. And yeah. Canada Scherzer, like, you know, what are you going to do? Right. This is my first time being traded. I'm just experiencing, you know, a new team and I'm excited to get going. And Scherzer was like, fuck the New York Mets. Yeah. <laughs> I love Mark Canna, the guy, and I really enjoy Mark Canna, the baseball player. I think that Mark Canna is a huge addition to a young team that was kind of, I, I don't want to say scraping together outfield production because Yelich has been flat out awesome. I love watching Weimer and Sal Friedlich has been an injection of great life. But if Canna can DH and, you know, give one of those young guys off days or maybe Weimer's running through a terrible stretch, Canna can play the outfield there. I think that that was an awesome pickup. Chafin lengthening their bullpen was great. And they flipped their AAA catcher, Alex Jackson, for starter depth if needed in Evan McKendry, who was one of the better starters um, with the Rays AAA affiliate in Durham. McKendry yet to make his big league debut. I think that's a guy that can give you five innings, a three-run ball any given day. And, and I think with Canna added to that offense, five innings, a three-run ball from a young starter if you need him is exactly what this team needed. So I, I thought while they didn't make flashy signings, I didn't think there were very many flashy signings. While they didn't land one of the bigger fish, they got three guys that they can really use. Yeah, I like the additions of Santana and Canna. Santana, I totally forgot Santana. Huge, though, it's a big word. Huge is a huge word. That's why they weren't necessarily on my big board. Did they get better? Are they, if you drew a line... Are they on the winner's side or the loser's side? They are on the winner's side. 
What I do wish they did, and adding Mark Canna kind of does this, but not to the full extent. Brewers have a big problem against left-handed pitching. Had it last year, and they still have it this year. Mark Canna, right-handed bat, better against lefties. But he's not great against lefties. I would have really liked to see the Brewers make a deal and get both Canna and Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham has been one of the better platoon hitters in all of baseball. I just wish that they addressed that issue a little bit more. Now, Santana can hit a lefty. So I they made two of those deals. I just wish they did a little bit more. But, and, you know, you kind of talked about Eovaldi and, you know, this pitcher that I'm about to name isn't a part of the deadline, but he's a huge addition to the team. Brandon Woodruff is going to be back soon. Yeah. And if we're looking at who you could get on the starting pitching market, Would you rather have Verlander than Brandon Woodruff right now? Maybe, but Brandon Woodruff would be right there as an addition, and they're going to get him back. Then you go Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and then you have the bullpen that has just been so good. Abner Uribe, Joel Piamps, Poguero, and then, of course, Devin Williams with the airbender. They have really good pitching. I just wish they added a little bit more platoonish. Right, I wish they got a couple more guys who crush lefties. They did a fine job, not as good of a job as I think they could have done, but they're a winner. Yeah, I don't mind the pick. Okay, who you got? So you set me up. You set me up rather nicely. Um, I can go with because uh, I did not have the birds on the on my big board. So for my next pick, I'm going to tell you why I liked the Mets deadline. So yes, they lost Max Scherzer, they lost Verlander, Tommy Pham, Mark Canna and David Robertson. But Steve Cohen did something that a lot of owners in Major League Baseball, and I would venture to argue that 29 other owners in Major League Baseball, really struggled to do. He put aside his ego. He said that the Mets are going to win a World Series within this five-year window. We're on year four, and it didn't look like it was going well. So what he did was he said, you know what? Let's take a step back. This product that we put on the field is not working. Right. There's books that have been written about Steve Cohen where the best aspect of him as a private equity guy was he would cut his losses quickly on trades that didn't work. He did exactly that with the New York Mets. And he got two really good prospects from the Houston Astros in Ryan Clifford and Drew Gilbert. Now he spent a lot of money, but we also have to realize that Steve Cohen money and the rest of the owners' money, they're not created equal. What he also did is he got Luis Angel Acuna for Max Scherzer. Now, I like the deal for Texas because they don't necessarily need him, but the Mets certainly do, and he's a prospect with a lot of upside. They also made a really good move, trading away a 38-year-old reliever in David Robertson for two, not lottery tickets. They're progressing better than lottery tickets are, but he got two prospects out of them. All Steve Cohen really did was he said to Mets fans, we have to change up the plan. This isn't working. Something that a lot of GMs, especially at this deadline, failed to do, especially his neighbor in the Bronx, in Brian Cashman, who will not make a decision. Heim Bloom did not make a decision. I'm giving a lot of credit for Steve Cohen making a decision and transitioning to a new era of Mets baseball. And you need a good system in order to compete. Because they still have all the money, right? They can go sign free agents, right? It's probably not going to be next year. Billy Epler made it very clear that 2024 is 
probably a transition year. But 2025-2026, I think they'll do enough to be able to compete then, and then they'll have all that prospect capital if they need to trade guys. Let the young guys play. I did think the Mets did very well. Unfortunately for Mets fans, this reloading of the farm system and creating, I, I think, one of the better farm systems, eh, top half. Repurposing. Farm systems. But Not yeah, rebuilding. Repurposing. Sorry. Repurposing. Yeah. <laughs> it's repurposing. Yeah. I think this re reallocation of assets um, bought Billy Epler a good bit of time as the GM of the New York Mets. So get used to Billy Epler. You're not going to get him fired. Like I think a lot of people wanted him to, I, I think he's going to be around to see this rebuild either work or not work. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to buy a home in New York and and you have to be okay with that. And one last point too. I think it's important because a lot of people are bagging on the Mets and it's like, Oh, you signed all these old pitchers. You signed all these guys. Like, of course this was going to happen. Can we stop? Everyone in the preseason, and if you didn't, you are a genie, thought the Mets would be very good. Yeah. They won 101 games last year, right? Then they went and got Justin Verlander, right? Getting Max Scherzer. They made tons of deals. We never could have guessed that the Mets would be below 500 at the deadline. Nobody did, right? Sometimes you have a plan. It looks good. And that's baseball, right? No one thought the same thing would happen to the San Diego Padres, who did a very similar thing here. And then the Padres, again, why I give the Mets a lot of credit, they didn't buy or sell either. They just stood pat, right? They might not make the playoffs this year, and then they will really will have nothing to show for it. Yep. So I think Steve Cohen and Billy Epler, they made the right decision. And that's why, you know, when we talk about losers on tomorrow's episode, the Orioles might be brought up because while they're having this amazing season, you got to capitalize on it now, right? You never know what's going to happen next year, yeah. right? Yeah. Guys could get injured. Guys could regress. Happens all the time in Major League Baseball, right? The same team doesn't win the division every single year, except the Braves. <laughs> and the Astros. And the Astros. But the Texas Rangers are ahead of them in the division, right? So Yeah, but Fromber just threw a no-hitter. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, right? The Rangers yeah. are ahead of them in yeah. the division, and they just won the World Series. Yeah. The Mets cut their losses, and I applaud them for it. And I know Mets fans are pissed, but I'm telling you, and I fully believe this, this is the right direction for them. Yeah. Will it end up working in the end? I have no idea. But is this the right decision? I fully support it. If they're spending a last counter-argument, before you move on to number five, they spent a lot of money sending these guys out of town. And that's what I'm saying. Steve Cohen money and regular owner money are not the same. And not the same. And maybe maybe that's on me for not judging them equally. But he's proven that but, he's an anomaly. Yeah, it's an unequal game. Like, the playing field is just not level. So we, We're a sport with no salary cap. A lot of owners treat the luxury tax as a salary cap. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah. So... Am I going to judge him against other owners when it's not the same circumstance? No. Yes. Going to judge, judge him differently. Or judge I thought this was the right move. Against him. Yeah. Now the Mets farm system is one of the better in baseball. And yeah. they still have Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, and Mark Vientos hitting right now for them. And Francisco Lindor for the next decade. And Pete Alonso is still on the team. And Neil's still on the team. And Kodai Sanga is on a five-year. It's crazy. So, yeah. all right. Who's number five? 
So number five for me, <sighs> I'm deciding between two different teams. I think I'm going to go with the Guardians. I'm going to go with the Guardians as my last pick. I was deciding between them and their their rivals in the Central, who maybe you'll talk about. That's why I kind of left it to you. But I, I, I think this team won, and this is the Cleveland Guardians. First of all, you traded Aaron Savali for Kyle Manzardo. I mean, that might be the biggest win of any trade done at the deadline, right? The Rays, Manzardo is blocked. I get it. That's why it's like when I'm just looking at the Cleveland Guardians side, they traded a guy at his peak who has peripherals that look like his ERA should be in the fours, but it's in the low twos. Rays needed pitching, and they gave up one of the better offensive prospects in all of baseball going to Cleveland. So they killed that trade. I thought they did pretty damn well in the Josh Bell deal, right? Josh Bell for Gene Segura and Khalil Watson. Now, they just DFA'd Gene Segura, so I'm not really adding him in there. But Khalil Watson, if you look at his minor league numbers, has been getting better and better. And he was a former first-round pick for a guy in Josh Bell, who they already have Josh Naylor. Then they got Kyle Manzardo, and Josh Bell hasn't been any good for them. So they basically just got a prospect who's trending really well right now and has first-round pedigree for Josh Bell. I'm taking that every day of the week. They have Brian Rocchio coming up who is ready to play shortstop. So they said, yeah, Ahmed Rosario has been one of the worst players in Major League Baseball. We'll get Noah Syndergaard. And if there's any team in Major League Baseball who can fix Noah Syndergaard, it's the Cleveland Guardians. No, it was fit- the Dodgers. Hold on. I'm going to stop you right I there. Understand. It was the Dodgers. If there was it, any team in baseball that could fix Thor, it was the Dodgers. And but we, also, we also did mention the Guardians when we were talking about that because Syndergaard also kind of fits their mold, right? It's a guy who doesn't throw that hard. He's just not that good. He's not good. That's Did they the win thing. that deal? Did they win that deal? No, but they obviously had to move off Ahmed Rosario. And Noah Syndergaard pitched well against the Astros for them. Like, that's a win. Is Ahmed Rosario hitting well for the Dodgers right now? Uh, so right no now, Have you right checked? now, Noah Syndergaard has been better than Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> it's but that's the third trade. Games. I thought they won two trades. Then they did a nothing deal. And at least Syndergaard can maybe eat innings. He was throwing 94. He was throwing 94. Now, he was off like a month rest. Let's see what he is in his next start. But hey, he threw 94. Rosario is three for nine with a double. <laughs> like he's got an he's got an 840 OPS. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Forget I said that deal. The other two put them yeah. in the winner's bucket. So the Watson one is really interesting because, yes, Khalil Watson has first-round pedigree. Yes, Khalil Watson is a very talented player, but the Marlins were waiting for him to turn this corner on the field and with, you know, makeup issues. I, I think the makeup issues present some serious baggage. I'm wondering why the Guardians felt like they were willing to take on that baggage unless they feel like they're getting a guy that you know is is maturing he had a lot of maturing to do unfortunately um and unfortunately that's been very public um I brought this up on the call up with arm like there are a lot of guys that have makeup concerns that stay out of the public eye that you know you don't really know that they have makeup concerns they're just like not great in clubhouses with Khalil Watson like I think everybody knew 
th- there were some issues there. And in low A, there were some issues. Like in high A, I, I think there have been some issues as well. So it, it's it's hard for me to call getting Gene Seguro, who they DFA'd, and Khalil Watson, who's a makeup guy, a win to dump Josh Bell. Um, I don't know. I I wish they didn't sell like they did, but it felt like they sold. Um, but yeah, I, last pick, I'm not going to go angels here because while I liked that the angels leaned into the buying thing, I don't know if they did it effectively. Um, you know, Giolito, okay. Pickup Giolito got blasted by Atlanta, but everybody's getting blasted by Atlanta right now. Um, crone and Gritchick. Gritchick has been good. Crone has been bad. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I, I just disagree that they should go all in right now. They have the worst system in baseball now after that Giolito deal. And it's not close. It's a horrible system. And if they don't re-sign Otani, I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping Otani's an angel for his entire career. If they don't re-sign Otani, this looks really bad. So I can't call them the sixth winner. I am going to call the White Sox the sixth winner. Yeah. It's, It's hard, much like the Mets, much like the Guardians. It's really hard for me to stomach that I'm calling a team that sold a winner at the trade deadline, especially because the White Sox and the Mets had lofty expectations this year and they fell flat on their face. I think the White Sox even more so than the New York Mets. I mean, the White Sox have been like the disappointment of the year. So they suck. How did a disappointment of the year win at the deadline? They do it by capitalizing on a market like this, man. Edgar Caro and Kai Bush for a rental Giolito and a rental Ronaldo Lopez. A Jake Berger for... Give up nine runs to the Braves. Yeah, a Jake Eater for Jake Berger swap? Holy hell, man. Nistrini and a Lynn and Joe Kelly deal. Yep. Even Corey Lee for for Kendall Gray. It's it's really impressive how much water Rick Hahn was able to wring out of that wet towel. He maximized every single return, and I got to give them a big W for that. No, I agree. I was between the White Sox and the Guardians for my winner. I think you can make the argument they might have won every single deal that they made. Yeah. The one thing that makes me upset is that they didn't trade Dylan Cease. Yeah, I'm with you. They could have gotten a haul for Dylan Cease. They could have gotten a haul for Aloy Jimenez. Yeah. Right? And they didn't do it. But I agree. It was between the Guardians and the White Sox for me. I just felt like the Guardians sold, but their team isn't any worse, really, right now. Like, losing Savali stinks, but Manzardo is going to help them. Yeah. And, like, Bell has a 700 OPS. He slugs 383 as a first-base DH. Dude can't hit. And I think the worst thing that happens is... Khalil Watson becomes nothing and they just kind of gave away Josh Bell when he wouldn't really play anymore now that they got Manzardo anyway and they have Josh Naylor. But if Khalil Watson is good, which he does have the talent to do so, and going to a team like the Guardians maybe needs a switch up, right? Who's the worst team in Major League Baseball developing hitters offensively? Miami. If he just gets out of there. I'm not saying Cleveland is some incredible place to go hit right they haven't done really all that well either but he's going to a team that's above 500 exactly maybe a change of scenery helps him and he does have a ton of talent like there's no debate there if he becomes something they won the deal by a lot if he becomes nothing 
I think they're fine with it. That's why I think they went with Khalil Watson. They're like, we need kind of a lottery ticket guy yeah. for Bell. We don't want just like some fine prospect. We want a guy who's either going to be horrible and never make it or be a real stud. And I think they got that in Khalil Watson. Gotcha. So it's a it's a coin flip, but I think it lands on the right side. We'll see. Cool. Um, So that was the draft. I ended up taking the Rangers number one. I took the Mets. And I took the, who else did I take? Guardians. I took the Guardians, the Mets, and the Rangers. Who yeah. do you take? I took Houston two. I took Milwaukee three. And I took the White Sox six. Who else was on your big board? Because I only had uh, one more team else on my big board. The Angels were the only other team on my on my board like that. I had the, the Mariners. Phillies, uh, yeah, I loved that flex in return. Yeah, that was kind of it. But I love that trade. Or not like, flexing they, uh, Seawald. I love that Seawald, Seawald return. Yeah, Paul Seawald. They got Ryan Bliss, who was a 947 OPS in the minors. Dominic Canzone, who has proved that he's a major league player. Yeah. Josh Rojas, who has also proved that he's a major league player. And he's better than Colton Wong for yeah. a reliever when they have tons of them. And Andres Munoz can just close. Right. They killed that trade. So there aren't a lot of winners, ladies and gentlemen. But if you win a big trade, you're going you're gonna to be a winner, sort of. Also like the Candelario pickup for the Cubs. Exactly. And I also love that the Mariners did not trade Ty France and Teoscar Hernandez. Like, yeah, what holy are you doing? Why were those guys floated? What are we doing so, here? So weird. You can't hit and you're going to trade your only hitters? Yeah. Bizarre. How they didn't do that. Jeez. Yeah. Anybody else? No, I mean, I mentioned L.A., but that's that's about it. The Angels, not the Dodgers. <laughs> the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers. Are, I assume you and Aram are going to talk about the Dodgers tomorrow. But that's it for me, man. We will talk about losers on tomorrow's episode with Arm and I, and the Just Baseball Show is brought to you by the King of Sportsbooks. That is BetMGM, promo code Just Baseball. Remember, gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Do us a favor and support the show by getting yourself some Just Baseball merch, and it's kind of doing you a favor, too, because it's fire merch. It's fire merch. At least go check it out. We've gotten a lot of reviews. People love it so far. Tagging us in photos on Instagram and and Twitter and all that good stuff, and we're reposting them. We love to see it. So if you're at a game, rocking a hat, rocking a shirt, let us know by taking a picture, tagging us. We'll be sure to interact. Uh, and if you don't want to spend a dime, we totally understand. If you could just rate and review this podcast five stars, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. It takes two seconds, and it's absolutely free. And comment who you thought won the trade deadline. Don't comment any losers yet, though because we'll cover that on tomorrow's show. Jack, I'm Peter, and with that, thank you, everybody.